We're continuing our study on the attributes of God. And uh, I hope it doesn't sound repetitive, but there's nothing more important in life than knowing the Lord. Uh, Knowing the Lord is the key to how life goes, right? Everybody faces trials, challenges, difficulties. You can't get away from it. But the key to responding well is knowing God well. And you say, what is true of God? And tonight we're going to be reminded that God is a righteous God. What does righteousness mean? The word has to do with conformity to a standard. So for, in, so, for example, in the Old Testament, you could talk about a righteous scale. I mean, how could a scale be righteous? Well, the scale can conform to a standard. Let me give you an example. Uh, there's a man, I'm not going to use his real name. Uh, he's with the Lord. He's not here anymore. Uh, some of you will know once I tell a little bit of the story. I'm going to call uh, his name Don. Don started visiting with us here with his wife, And uh, Don used to be in New York City, and he was associated with the Mafia. And uh, we talked about it many times. He wasn't high up in the Mafia. He explained to me that there were a lot of people doing just basic stuff. I said, like what? He said, like delivering oil. And Don would be involved with delivering heating oil uh, to some of the large buildings in New York City that needed heating oil, I guess, to heat the buildings. So when the big trucks would deliver heating oil to these large buildings, they had a meter on the truck, and the meter would read out so many gallons. And I have no idea what the number is, you know, let's just say a 1,000 gallons. And the ticket would say, you've had $1,000 of heating oil delivered, but in reality, that's not true. The meter was fixed, and they were paying for 1,000 gallons or whatever of heating oil. They would be getting something less than that. And, of course, that's one of the ways the mafia would make their money. This was just normal, everyday stuff. And he said they controlled the major uh, heating oil contracts in a certain area of New York City. And I said to him, Don, I said, why didn't the places that were receiving the heating oil, why didn't they have meters on their tanks? And he said, well, Greg, they did, but they were broken. And I said, well, why didn't they fix the meters on their tanks? And he just kind of looked at me and smiled and said, you know, it's a funny thing, but every time they fixed it, that one broke too. It's just the way it was, okay? And when the mob controls things, that's what happens, okay? So you say, what's your point? When I get gasoline for my truck, I sometimes think of... Now, the the reason I enjoy thinking about him, I'm calling him Don as he came here, and uh, just through the ministry of God's Word in his heart, it was a joy to watch him come to know Christ as Savior. Uh, before he went home to be with the Lord. I think of him sometimes, because I think of that story when I put gas in my truck. You'll notice on gas pumps, there's a stamp that says something like, I don't remember exactly, but Greenville County um, Department of Measurements Certified. Because you want to make sure you're getting gas from a righteous pump. Don't, Don't get gas from an unrighteous pump. You want a pump that conforms to a standard So if you're paying for 20 gallons of gas, you're actually getting 20 gallons in your tank and not 20 mafia gallons, if I could put it that way. What's all of this about? It's the definition of righteousness. Righteousness literally means conformity to a standard. 
So what we're doing on Wednesday nights is every Wednesday we're hitting a different attribute of God. When we say that God is righteous, what do we mean? Here's how one systematic theology puts it. God is himself the final standard of what is right. Righteousness is conformity to a standard, which is God. Just kind of wrap your mind around that. For a scale to be righteous, a gas pump to be righteous, you would put a gallon of gas liquid in a container, and you would see if it actually measures a true gallon based on an external measure of righteousness. With God, He is righteous, but notice the difference. He is Himself the final standard of what is right. Righteousness is conformity to Himself because He is the standard of righteousness. Let's see if we can flesh that out. Number one tonight. The standard of right which God adheres to is not external to God. It is his own nature. See, we don't say, I know God's righteous because here is a standard of truth and God conforms to that external standard. There is no external standard. God is himself the standard. It's his own nature. Isaiah 45, 19, I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are upright. You say, how do you know what God speaks is righteous? It's simple, because he's the one who speaks it. And everything he speaks is righteous. Another way to think of it is Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. That's just part of his character. That's who he is. So number one, the standard of right which God adheres to is not external to God. There's nothing outside of him. We don't compare him to something we come up with and saying, okay, he's righteous. No, it's his nature. He adheres to. He's a righteous God. Secondly, the word of God being a true expression of his nature is as perfect as he is. You say, how do we know what God is like? It's through his word. And the word that he expresses, that he speaks, it's as perfect as he is because it's his word. Psalm 19, three verses in a row, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, just different ways of referring to the Word of God, okay? It's His Word, so we know it's perfect. We know it's sure. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Two more words for God's Word, precepts and commandment. What are they? They are right and they're pure. Why? Because they're God's Word. And then finally, Psalm 19, 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, The judgments of the Lord are true. They're righteous altogether. In this context of Hebrew poetry, fear of the Lord would not be the act of fearing God. It would be the Bible that teaches us to fear God because it's parallel with judgments as well as the previous four references to God's Word. Remember, Hebrew poetry rhymes meaning, not sound. So what here it says, the fear of the Lord, we just take that as another reference to God's Word, which teaches us to fear the Lord It is clean. It is true. You say, why? Because God is the one who has spoken it. 
So the Word of God being a true expression of His nature is as perfect as He is. Number three, God's actions are in accord with the law He has Himself established. So we're beginning with number one, God is righteous. He adheres to His own nature. There's nothing external. It's Him. The Word He communicates or speaks is an expression of that nature. And thus, number three, his actions are in accord with the law that he himself has established. In Genesis 18, verse 25, it says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? And the answer is, of course he will. God will always deal justly. Because God is a righteous God, and all of his actions are in accord with the law that he has established. Jeremiah 9.24 records, I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So we see that God's actions are in accord with the law he has himself established, We saw previously the word that he reveals to us is a true expression of his nature. God is a righteous God, right? So we want to be careful, okay? We want to be very, very careful because there are people who come to the Bible, they come to the Scriptures, and they say, I'm not sure I agree with that. Like, I don't know if that's really right. I don't know what I think about that. So just think about what they're doing. They are taking an external standard, typically their own brain, and they are saying, I am going to judge whether God is righteous or not based on conformity to my standard. Remember, righteousness is conformity to a standard. And they believe that they're in the place where they can do that. Which is, I would argue, the epitome of arrogant pride. To judge God by comparing what he does with what I think. That's our fourth point. Whatever conforms to God's moral character is right because it conforms to God's moral character. We have no right to say that God is unrighteous or unjust. You know, people say, well, what do you think about this situation? How in the world could God be unrighteous? And and a good response is, who do you think you are to ask that question? I mean, who do you think you are? to come to the Bible and say, okay, so this is what God does, this is what God says, but I'm not sure that really conforms to my standard of what I think is right, which is something we absolutely have no right to do. Romans 9, verse 20 through 21, and uh, it would take too long to go through the context, but just catch the verse, and many 
will be familiar with this. Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? And you can struggle through Romans 9 and say, you know, I don't like what I read here, but what right does clay have to speak to the potter? God is the potter. We are the clay. Whatever God does is right. You know why it's right? Because God does it. That's how we know it's right. God is the standard to which he conforms. We don't compare him to any kind of external standard. Job is such an important book on this issue. Right in chapter 40, verse 8, God saying to Job, will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Now that assumes a little bit of a knowledge of Job, but just real quick, right? Job is the guy who's facing all of this suffering. And throughout the book of Job, he says, I demand an answer. There's different things are going on in Job. But one that continues throughout Job is, I demand an answer because I am not being treated fairly. And you get basically to chapter 38. And when you get to chapter 38, God speaks from the whirlwind to Job. And basically, if you said, Greg, paraphrase it in two words, shut up is what God basically says to Job. Who do you think you are to question me? And then God goes and says, Job, where were you when I did this and when I did that? You're such a smart guy that you're arrogant enough to question me and imply you know better. Answer my questions, Job. And then as maybe some of you know, we get into chapter 42, and Job says, wow, you know, I, uh, I, I heard of you with the ear. Now I see you with my eyes. Now I see what you're really like. God, I got one thing to say. I repent. I repent, Lord. Lord. And, and God is gracious. And when we repent of our proud arrogance, he forgives us. He forgave Job. And praise the Lord for that. You say, what was the problem? Job was comparing God to what he thought was a standard of righteousness, which is something we must never do. God is the standard of righteousness. And that'll be one of the questions that we actually deal with.